0: Hebrews chapter 10. Title today is The Perfect Access. And let me start with for you by asking you a question. The question is How do you and I know personally that we have this perfect access, this perfect standing before God today? How do you know that personally? Many people can say it, but the question is, do you know in your heart of hearts, no question in your mind, that you have this perfect access into this relationship with Jesus Christ, but that relationship brings you into this oneness with God the Father. Do you know that in your heart? Because of the witness and and the reason why I know and you know that we do have this access is because we studied last week uh, back in verses 15 through 18 that because of the witness of the Holy Spirit through His Word, we know we have this access. We can boldly come, as we will see today, boldly come into this relationship that we have with God. As a new covenant believer... We can say that his or her sins, yours and my sins, our iniquities are remembered no more. Verse 17. That's one of the challenges we have as Christians that are not walking and taking advantage of that access to God and that relationship is we start questioning is our sins really forgiven? And it becomes a weight and a heaviness. They should not be there as a Christian, as a child of God. And I hope today, you'll go from discouragement, if you're finding yourself there today, to encouragement that he doesn't see your sins. Remember, you're as white as snow. He sees his son in you as a believer. Not only as a new believer, do you not? He, he does not remember your sins, your iniquities. He remembers no more. But also, notice in verse 18 that we studied last week we do not, he, we, we no longer need to offer sacrifices for those sins. You no longer have to sit there and say, What do I need to do for God for Him to forgive me of what I did this week? You've been forgiven, it's been wiped clean. No, yes, you must confess and acknowledge where you've fallen short. Where you've missed the mark. But your nature's been changed. You're a child of God. Get back up. Start following him again. But you must confess these are sins. Confess how you've fallen short. Because those those things still plague you. you. God is going to work those things out of your life if you let him. So there's no more longer can you work for your salvation. No longer can you work to please God. There's no more legal, legally, legal, uh, legal. Uh, legal uh, we'll come back to that religiosity. Let's go to that one, legalism. There's no more of this legalism that you must follow that many churches still teach today. We're under grace. It's not, grace is not a license to sin. It is the open way for us to have a relationship with God. When a sinner trusts Christ, his sins are all forgiven. The guilt is gone, and the matter is completely settled forever. And you have to get that understood in your life as a Christian. The perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ brings us to this perfect forgiveness that we learned last week, verses 1 through 18. Today, verses 19 through 25, we'll see the perfect access. Understand, only the death of Christ on the cross could tear that veil from top to bottom. Go back and read that. It's noted in Mark 15, verse 38. And it opened up the way for you and I to be able to boldly come into the heavenly sanctuary where God dwells. And today as we see and look at these verses 19 through 25 and we look at this perfect access, it brings us to a point of a question or a statement or a will of God for you and I to do every day as a child of God. And that is to boldly come into his presence. And the writer here to these believing uh, Hebrews to come to understand this, they were discouraged because they were struggling between going from Judaism into now a relationship with Jesus Christ and now being torn and trying to feel like, do we need to go back to Judaism and these people, these false teachers and people, you've got to be more religious. You've got to go back to these old traditions and, and all these old ways and you've got to come back and you need to only eat certain foods and dress a certain way or, or you, have to, you have to be circumcised you know, as a Gentile. All these things were plaguing these believers And they were struggling between the new life in Christ and the grace of God and then back to the law and following the law to the T. And how do a quasi, how do I fit this all in? And many people still struggle with that today. But let me tell you, God has you here for a reason today. Because you've got to let this religiosity go. And you have to understand it's an intimate relationship with God Almighty, Jesus Christ. And I want you to have the intimacy with God, that closeness where you can come and sit and find rest for your souls. Because today we're going to see a threefold bold invitation given to. To you, The writer writes to these Hebrews with threefold invitation, and those are for us as well today, that we are to enter into the holiest, into the heavenly sanctuary, this perfect access for you and I. And we'll see that we're to uh, let us draw near, let us draw and let us hold fast and let us consider one another. Because the entire chapter 10 revolves around the theme of the perfect sacrifice for you and me. The same Savior. Who died for you and for me. Now lives for you. He lives for you. He invites you to come into his presence. To worship him. And to share your needs. Because we all have needs. But we see here in verse 19 of chapter 10 of Hebrews. Therefore. Brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. By a new and living way, which he consecrated for us. He set apart. He sanctified that for us, for you. Through the veil, that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God. So if we take a look here in verses 19 through 21, we see the writer says to the the believers having this boldness, having boldness, this access is given to you. As a child of God, as a believer, you have access is given to you for a bold approach to God. That doesn't mean you get to flippantly come in and do whatever you want to do with God. That doesn't mean you get to this boldness to be able to have access to come to Him and to to sit at His feet and to, to, to cry out to Him about everything. Doesn't give us the Attitude that says we can just flippantly just say whatever we want to say and however we want to say it. We must come with a humbled heart is the key. We come boldly in, humbly, knowing that it's only by his grace that we can do that. That we can be broken and just be open and transparent to the God who loves you. But this approach to God, this boldness, this boldness means freedom of speech. You can freely come and speak to him about everything. Anything that's challenging you in this in your mind today. And rest purely on the faithful finished work of our savior on the cross. That's why we can do it. That's why we have access. Because you remember on the Day of Atonement, we talked about this in the previously in, in Hebrews, the high priest could only enter the holiest place of all with fear and trembling. When he walked in there, he was the only one that allowed to go into the Holy of Holies where the, tab- the, the, the Ark of the Covenant was, where the presence of God was dwelling over the mercy seat. And only he could go in once a year and he better have the blood from the animal that was sacrificed. And he fearfully, tremblingly walked in there because if he made one mistake, one mistake, the consequence was death. Hello? Can you imagine living your life every day? And some people do. Fearfully and trembling, thinking, I made one mistake. Oh no, God is going to just pummel me, punish me, cast me out. No, he's saying, come to me. Come to me, let me minister to you. Let me me speak into your life and let me work these things out of your life. That's God's work in your life and my life. Is to work out the sin out of your life. He's changed your nature. Now he's working out those things that still linger. That still plague you. The temptation. He's working those things out if you would just keep coming. Keep coming regardless of how you feel. Why? Because we come based on the faithful finished work of our Savior on the cross. But our entrance into God's presence is not because of some animal sacrifice or some sacrifice you think now earns your ability to come into his presence. That's not how it works. Your and my ability to come into his presence is based solely upon Jesus' work on the cross. Not how much you gave, not how much you do in the ministry, not how many times you come to church, not how many times you prayed, not how many times you read your Bible. That doesn't, sacrifice does not earn you anything. Hello? Do you feel the Spirit of God hovering over here right now? I can feel it. Speaking to someone's heart. We can have boldness because we enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. If we enter the old covenant way, the blood of animals wouldn't have the boldness that allows us to go in. We would fearfully and trembly walk in through these doors every day. Oh, what is God going to do to me if I don't get it right? How many times I've heard, oh, pastor, I didn't come to church because I knew what was going on and I knew the, the ceiling was coming down. Can't wait for the next person to say that to me. I'll, just, I'll get to jokingly say, hey, no, we got a new roof. I, I assure you, it's good. It's strong enough to handle. But the blood of Jesus provides a new and living way, this, the, the writer says here. The Holy Spirit says, a new and living way which is consecrated for us, designed for you, designed for me. And we really can come into the presence of God with boldness. We can freely come and talk to him about everything in our lives freely and openly. He can handle it. And this boldness is a complete contrast to the way the high priest entered the holy place. He went with fear and trembling. But genuine believers... You and I can come even to the throne of God with confidence as they carry into the divine presence of God. Because Jesus has made a perfect access for you and I. The divine presence by the blood of the great atonement. And being justified through that blood. And now we have the ability to come Into and the blessings of the eternal kingdom of God. This new and living way. Many people ask, I don't know if I'm saved or not. Well, did you have a changed life after you gave your life to Jesus? You should start thinking differently. You should start feeling about the sins that you were committing with so freely. You should start feeling this, this weight of knowing that you should not be doing. There should be a thing. You're no longer these cares of this world start fading away. And it's all about the things of God and what pleases Him. There should be a change in your mind and your heart of how you see your life or see this world that we dwell in. If you're not experienced that, then come back to Jesus and ask Him today Have I truly surrendered my life to you? Do I trust you fully for my life? Have I surrendered all? Because that is the question. That must be answered. And once it, that regeneration, that born again experience happened, you never, ask, you never will question that again. Because you know, without a doubt, that God, you heard his voice and you surrendered. And when that happens, you see this new and living way. This, this means the sacrifice of Jesus is always fresh in the mind of God. Always this happens centuries ago. Yes, happens many centuries ago. And it's not stale, but this is a living and breathing moment here. That God, Jesus, is always ushers us into the presence of God when we want to come to his feet. He opens away and says, yes, Corey, finally, you woke yourself up. You finally stopped getting distracted. Yes, you want to hear. I want to hear from you. I want to talk to you. And I want to usher you right into the presence of God. Because that's exactly what's happening. That's exactly what happens as a child of God. Are you experiencing that? This open way into God's presence is new and not part of the old covenant. That's what the writers try to say. Don't mix the old covenant with the new covenant. The law and grace. No, no, no. It's about the grace. The old covenant that grows old and is ready to vanish away that we read in chapter 8, verse 13. That's going away. It's gone. Hello, Jesus. It's a living way. Because under the old covenant, the high priest had access because of the blood of the dead animal. Now under the new covenant, we have the perfect access because of the perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ. The sinless son of God. And it's living. As we learn in Hebrews 7 chapter 7, verse 25, that Jesus is alive and sits at the right hand of the throne of God. And what does he do for you and I? What does he do for you and I? He lives to make intercession for you and I. That's why it's new and it's living. It's a fresh daily experience with God. It's not something you say, oh, I gave my life to Christ sometime back in sixth grade. I don't remember exactly. You know, you know, those kind of conversations some of us have had. No, no. I want to know what is happening in your life today with Christ. Your past is your past. The question is, what are you at now in the presence of God and in the living anew? What is your relationship with God today? Is what I care about. Your your, your testimony helps and really bring to light God's grace, yes. But what are you doing with God today in your presence and your intimacy with Him? That's the question we always have to ask. Because it's a relationship. And why is this ability to have this relationship? It's because Christ is new and living. This perfect access, the way of grace, is because the veil was removed. The veil represents a a barrier between God and man, remember? That you couldn't just boldly come into the presence of God back in the Old Testament, the Old Testament way. Only a representative of God could represent you to God. But when Jesus died on the cross, you should know, the veil that was within the temple was ripped from top to bottom, torn, removed. I I pondered on it this week. Can you imagine all the religious leaders and the high priest of that day sitting there, knowing you, you cannot touch and go into the Holy of Holies. Only one man could do that once a year. And that was ripped from top to bottom. Can you imagine the shocking faces in that temple? Can you? They went from fear to trembling. I bet you they were dropping on the floor like flies. Because they went from this religious way that God designed. We could not go into the presence of God. And someone else has to, to represent me. Oh, I can't do that. Oh, be careful, my brothers and sisters. Because it happens still today, does it not? Can you think of an example? Let me give it to you. Pastor, I know you have a relationship with God. Could you pray for my sister? Or pray for my brother? Have you had not non-believers come to you and say, I know you know God. Can you go, can you say a prayer for me? Or a prayer for some? Well, why don't you talk to God? Well, no, 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 you have no idea. It's not safe for me to go even to fear and trembling to even talk to God. Why? Because they know how they're living their lives day by day by day. Why do you not think white people don't want to come to church on a Sunday? Because the enemy beats them up. Because they knew they screwed up during the week. Instead of coming to Jesus to be washed and cleansed by the word of God. The enemy convinced them, don't go. What is God going to do to you? See, there's no difference. There's nothing new under the sun. We're being taught today by God's word that the veil has been separated. You can, as a child of God, boldly come to God. Look at verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from any evil uh, conscience and our bodies wash with pure water why can we that happen why can that happen it's because the veil has been separated we have a, a perfect access that has been given to us by through and by and through jesus christ our lord and savior and he is the high priest that perfect high priest that represents us over the house of God. We are now able to draw us, let us draw near with a true heart. An honest heart. a Based on truth. The truth. Not based on feelings. Not based on what the world says. Not even based on what you think. But we can boldly come in and let us draw near to God because we know the truth of God from the word of God and have full assurance of faith our faith is based on a relationship with Jesus Christ we know this to be true we know that he's the perfect, high sac- the perfect sacrifice who's given the perfect forgiveness and given us perfect access into the presence of God do you believe that? that's the question it's true The Bible says so. The question is, do you believe what the Bible says? Let us draw near with that perfect cleansing that God has given you. He's forgiven you all of your sins, allowing you to perfectly come in. And it's available to you. If you have not been cleansed, if you have not been forgiven, today's the day of your salvation. Today you can say, God, I hear your voice and I want that intimate relationship that he's talking about. I want that so desperately in my life because I want to change. I know I'm wicked. I know I have got sin. Ooh, you don't even know. If that's the Lord speaking to you, just cry out in your mind. Call out to him and say, Lord, forgive me. And then you can draw near to him because you have access now. You've been forgiven. The 100-pound gorilla comes off your back. That guilt and the shame is just lifted because you just gave it over to him. And so when that happens, that Cleansing comes. That the writer says this, "Your hearts are sprinkled from the evil conscience, that the inner man has been cleansed. the outer man has been cleansed. Well, he says, "The bodies were washed with pure water. What is the water represented in the scripture by the word of God? God spoke into your mind, spoke into your life, and was changed. And then His Word of God, as you read the Word of God and hear the Word of God, continues to cleanse you, your body, and keeps you close. And it's available to all of you. And it's the work of Jesus that enables us to draw near in the full assurance of faith. Notice, in your Bibles, circle the word faith. Because it's a key virtue of a Christian believer. And as you draw and let us draw near, we can draw near because several issues are settled for you and I. That allows us to draw near. The problem of access to God has been settled. We can freely come in there. The veil has been revealed. The barrier for us to to be able to boldly come in has been relieved so that we can come in and be represented by our perfect high priest to our Father. And it's been settled. The problem of moral and spiritual defilement and corruption in your life has been settled. It's been wiped clean. And that encouragement to draw near won't be given unless it was necessary. That's why we must draw near. Because God knows that we must continue to draw near to him. Why? Because there's discouraging, discouraged Christians out there. Have you been discouraged? You ever been struggling with your relationship in that Christianity that you're dealing with? What it means to be a Christian? Have you ever been so discouraged you're almost ready to give up? and you have you started so well and then the cares of this world just grabbed a hold of you Satan or his demonic forces really threw out that that hook and hooked you again and started wheeling you in again to the old the old habits But you must remember once you're a child of God it's been dealt with. Just come back. Just draw near to him. These discouraged Christians that this writer is writing to had a problem in drawing near to God. They were having a challenge with it because this was, it was, this was a real problem for them. They, they left their intimate relationship with Jesus that they started and they were thinking about going back to the old covenant, the old religious ways of things. That you had to work, 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 work to please God. You had to be perfect in following all these little intricate details of the law. Perhaps they thought they had too many problems in their life to continue the persecution against them as followers of Jesus was too much for them maybe it was difficult relationships that we're having now they were losing relationships because their relationship with Jesus caused division for those who wanted nothing to do with Jesus so they were losing friends Hard times of the culture was having a problem with the Romans coming over on top of them. They were just, that was too much for them. The government was too much. The economy was bad because they were losing their jobs because of their faith in Jesus. They were not allowed to continue to work because of their stance and their conscience of Jesus. Now they're losing their jobs because of their stance. Nothing new under the sun, is it? But the real problem wasn't their relationship with God here. Their relation, the problem was their relationship with God was not on track. They've gone off course. They were following Jesus, and then all of a sudden something diverted them. They went off to the left or to the right, or some may have turned around and started going back. But that's what their real problem was not the economy, not the government. Not the culture, not the season, not the state, not the. fill in the blank. That is not the problem. The problem that that we don't have, that we have when we're not intimate with God is because of our not willing to surrender and be broken and be humbled and come to our God daily. That's the problem. That was their problem then, and it's our problem today. When we are in tough times, we should remember that many people have gone through exactly what you've gone through. Or even worse. Your little pinky toe hangnail is not the worst problem. Some people have had a bigger problem than that. I know it's the end of your life, but it's not. And so when you're around others, you realize how thankful and grateful you are because you don't have a hangnail on the big toe. Because that must have been really bad. But we should remember that many people have gone through worse times and have had a better attitude and more joy going through their problem that was far worse than even yours. And what is the difference? The difference is that they knew how to draw near to the Lord in and through their difficult situations. That's the only difference. I'm saying this very tenderly and lovingly. Two Christians with the same problem, the same issue, why is one filled with joy and peace and just... God is just strengthening them through that, and the other one is absolutely losing it. Because one knows how to draw, boldly draw near to God. So that God can lift them up through the circumstances and carry them through the dark valleys they find themselves in. And the other one is just struggling through it all. And trying to lean on their own understanding. Or rely upon their own strength. Or they're looking somehow, some way to figure out because the world, somehow if I Google it long enough, I'll figure out the answer. When God says, just come to me first. Draw near to me. I've got so much to tell you. And just as importantly, the original readers of this letter, the ones that this writer is writing to, are reminded that they will never regain the intimacy they once had by going back into an institutionalized religious way. Going back to the law, going back to an institutional, some organization called the church, is somehow going to bring an intimacy with you and God is not going to happen. Not going to. Jesus called the religious leaders in that day, you remember in Matthew 15, verses 7 and 8, hypocrites. Well, did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, These people draw near to me with their mouth, and they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And that's Jesus speaking to the religious leaders of that day. How many people have all kinds of religious things they'll say? They all have the veneer and have the cheesy Christian look on themselves. but their hearts are far from a surrendered heart to Jesus. And their attitude is far from being a humbled and contrary spirit. It's how important it is that we are not hypocrites. That the same Savior who died for you now lives for you and invites you to come into his presence and to worship him and share your needs. We can come into God's presence anytime. Why? Because we have the perfect access given by God. Now we see here in verse 23, we see the second one. Let us hold fast the confessions of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. So we see the second calling, the invitation. The readers of this epistle were being tempted to forsake their confession of who Jesus Christ is. They're starting to waver on, really, is Jesus Christ the Savior? Is really Jesus Christ the only way to be saved? Oh, I'm sure there's many ways. Right? That's what's happening in our culture today. People who were grounded in the faith of who Jesus Christ is and what he's done on the cross for you is the only way to the heavenly father is now questioning these things. Why? Because people have walked away from the word of God. They've walked away from an intimacy with God. It's just an emotional, um, soulish experience that they're having at church. They worship for 30, 45 minutes to an hour to two hours, but it's not feeding their spirit. And they're just dying. And now they're questioning. Now we have a culture that says, if you don't accept the things of the world into your church, then you are going to get persecuted. And we're going to see it more and more because we will not compromise against the word of God. Regardless of what the culture says and is doing and demanding, and what other churches are doing, we will not compromise. If it's not in the word and the word says no, it means no. Are you with me? So when we see this, he's, they're saying, you must hold fast. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope. Our hope is in what? Not an institution, not in a pastor. Only in Jesus Christ. And you must not waver. That's our hope because our hope is the fact that Jesus is coming back for you and I. He's coming back for the church when the father says to the son, go get her. In a twinkling of an eye, we'll be out of here. And perhaps today's the day. The question is, are you ready for the groom to come back? Are you part of the bride? Are you part of the church? Because we're not to waver. For he who promised is faithful. God is faithful. He's not going to change the deal here. The agreement, the new covenant, the gr- new agreement is set. He paid it all full and finished complete on the cross. Now he's living. and and interceding for you, ready to come back for you and for me as believers? Are you ready? Let us hold fast. What we've confessed of who Jesus is. Have you confessed that Jesus is the Savior of the world? Have you confessed that he died for your sin on that cross? Have you confessed that you acknowledge he's alive and living and interceding for you? Have you confessed that you believe that he's coming back for you and taking you into eternity? I truly hope you are really there in the confession of that hope that we have and you do not get wavered by it. What causes you to waver? what would cause you to waver in your hope in Jesus Christ. Let me tell you how it's happening today. You're out there heaping up multiple teachers from any source that tickles your ear. That's what the scripture says will happen in the end times. It will cause you to walk away from your hope in Jesus only. So let me that's a warning. That's what pastors do. Part of encouraging is to warning as times. Sometimes it's through a simple book. Sometimes it's through a certain relationship. Sometimes it's, it's, it's through pressure. And we're going to get a lot of pressure from the world and the government that will test your faith. And I hope and I pray that you are so solidly grounded. Like the writer to the believers here don't lose hope. Don't, don't change. Stay focused on Jesus and don't let anyone or anything divert you from that relationship. Don't let anyone come into your life that will cause you to take uh, your eyes off of Jesus. Didn't say you'll lose your salvation. But relationships can cause you walk away from the things of God and put your eyes back on the cares of this world. Be very careful. Because that's called carnality. And that is a miserable Christian life. That's what scripture says. And if you've been there, come back. Come back. Our hope Notice here circle that in verse 23 the word hope because that's a second virtue of a Christian believer faith hope notice that the glorious hope of a believer is based on the emphasis we have seen in our study through Hebrews remember in Hebrews 2:10 bringing many sons to glory that God that's what God is doing is bringing many You and I, believers are partakers of the heavenly calling we saw in Hebrews 3.1. We can rejoice in the hope that we have, Hebrews 3.6. Hope is throughout the entire Hebrews uh, letter here. Go back and read uh, Hebrews chapter 6 verses 11 and 12 and 18 through 20. Look at the hope that the writer is speaking to the believers there in Hebrews. We're also looking for Christ to return. We saw that in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28. And when we get to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 14, we are going to be seeking a city that is yet to come. And that's all based on what the writer said here at the end of verse 23. He who promised is faithful. This is not a question if this is going to happen Let's see what's going to, it will happen without a shadow of a doubt. It's going to happen. Verse 24, and let us now consider one another in order to stir up love and good works verse 25 not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as in the manner of some but exhorting one another so and so much the more as you see the day approaching and in your bibles the word day should be capitalized why because now we see the third calling for you and i and that is let us consider one another what does that mean It means you must die of self and start thinking of others. Because our biggest problem is our selfishness. We want what we want, when we want it, and how we want it, and everyone else has to line up what we want. That's the definition of selfishness. That's what hinders and causes you and these believers of wavering in your relationship with God. Hello? I know. Ouch. Because that's what the writer's saying here. Let us consider one another in order to what? To stir up love and good works. Works that God is working in and saying, go do this for me. This is not, a, this is not anything about you. This is all about doing what God's called you to do and I to do as a believer. He... As believers, the only reason why we're still here on this earth and God hasn't taken us out is because He wants to use you to encourage others in the faith. He wants you to go do these good works that God is, uh, is putting on the desires of your heart and directing you and equipping you and re- resourcing you to go do for God, for others. Notice in verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. God says we're not to sit there and go do our own Christian experience. Go do our own thing. Go isolate ourselves and just take it however we want it. We can customize it because that's the new age, man. It's a new way to do church. But let me tell you, the Bible has not changed because of COVID. It hasn't changed because the government says we can't. This is a commandment that we are to draw close. We are to pursue the community of God's people. You're not to forsake the community. The community, you and I together, is what supports us through these difficult times. Because if you don't, you'll go squirrely on me you're going to start wavering on your your walk with Jesus. Why? Because we see in the scriptures, He uses each of you and I. is not for our benefit personally. It's for God to use people in your life to help you personally. Discouragement within a Christian can be avoided if they will stay plugged in the community. You discourage, the first thing most people do is, I'm very discouraged, I'm going to go isolate myself. It is a trick of the enemy, and you're going down. You're spiraling down, and you're just going to get worse. I know a lot of people argue with me on that. Go argue with God on this. I'm just telling you what the scripture tells me. And I've watched many, many, many lies in the ministry of 25 years. Many, 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 many. And why? Because discouragement made them avoid the community at the very time they needed it the most. Jesus meets us in one another to stir up love and good works. He works through your life to stir up love in other people and stir up good works in other people. It encourages us when we fellowship. And when we don't engage, we will become isolated and selfish and just do our own thing. And then we wonder why we don't have the intimacy with God. Because you're not being stirred up in love by someone who is your brother and sister. You're not doing anything for God because you just don't want to because it's inconvenient. No, God is get you around people who will steer you up to do good works. They'll say, come on along. We're going to go decorate the church on Saturday. Come on. We're going to go and fix the, the building. Come on. We're going to go over and do a house visit for someone who can't get out of the house because they're sick. Let's go. Someone really needs a meal. Can you make a meal and go deliver? It can go on and on and on and on. The most simplest of things are good works because you're doing it for others. And by doing it for others, you're glorifying God in your life. Fellowship with God must never become selfish. And that's one of the biggest things I've seen today in Christianity is selfish Christians. Not willing to do Do anything that's outside of their comfort zone or convenience. We must also fellowship with other Christians in a local assembly. I make that statement because I can tell you there are I I like technology. I, I like the fact that we're online. I like the fact that many people from all around the world are watching, that they cannot, they don't have a church to go to. Think of a young man in Africa right now that's been watching us for so long, and, and now he has a community of people here praying for him, because we've got to he's just been watching and watching. He doesn't have a place to go, I understand. But he's out there doing the work of God, feeding, people, feeding young kids who are starving on the streets. And here's a young man who says, "This is what God's called me to do is keep these young people alive." Who have no place, they're orphans. Don't know all the story, but. So I like that technology. And I know some, like when I was, we were, Kelly and I were gone, I, I love the fact that we got to watch the service with you and be connected with you. But if you have a church, a Bible teaching church you can go to, I will encourage everyone to stay connected. But I do like it. Storms are coming. I'll be here. If I can make it here, I'm going to teach. You can watch online if it's storming. I like that technology. But But that shouldn't be for a long period of time. Because God says we don't forsake getting together to encourage one another. And to stir up love and good works in each other. As we gather together. Because faithfulness and church attendance encourage others and stirs up and provokes them to love and encourage others as well. Notice, circle. Circle clearly the word love because that is the third virtue that the writer talks about as a Christian believer. There needs to be faith. There needs to be hope. And there definitely needs to be love in you and I as a believer. And that all comes about as we stick together as, an, as a church body, dwelling together, encouraging one another, even through dis, discouraging times. Apparently, the writer is highlighting here to these believers, there were some weak or wavering believers We're starting to distance themselves away from the church fellowship. It's never a good sign. And as the writer writes to them, this is a slippery slope. It's a spiral down if you start avoiding the church assembly, gathering together with God's people. You're going down spiritually. You're starting to dry up. You're starting to backslide. You're starting to go back to the old ways. These are dangerous signs, the writer is saying to the believers, and it's still true today. You'll become weak. You'll start wavering if you really believe who Jesus Christ is, and that's a very scary place to be as a believer. So don't distance yourself. Stay focused. It's interesting to note that the emphasis here is not on what a believer gets from the assembly, from the people, it's not, you don't go to church to see what you can get out of, the, out of the church moment or get out of people, because that is, again, a form of selfishness. It's not what you come here, you come here to worship God and to wait for God to show you how to love and encourage others in the faith. That's why we come together. Not to see what we can get out of the church today. Go target someone, see what I can get there. That's not the way it should be. And if you're there, just keep showing up because eventually you're going to, that's going to, that attitude of heart will change and you'll want to love more people. Uh, go to church not based on a feeling that you need it. How many times I've heard that. I don't feel like I need church today, this Sunday. I, I think I, I did pretty good this week. I don't think I need to go to church this week. When you start thinking like that, you know you're off track. You're wrong. That's not how it, you're supposed to be thinking. You don't have to come to church. I hope you get to a point where you're in relationship with God. You desire to come and meet with God at church. And to be used by God in the lives of other people. I really hope that is where you're growing. Because if you're not there, it just means you're an immature Christian. Doesn't mean you're not a Christian. It just means you're an immature Christian. And you just need to grow. And that's why, if you keep showing up regardless of how you feel, you will grow and finally mature and not be so selfish. But our motivation to fellowship must be to obey God and to give to others. Very simply put. You simply just want to fellowship because you just want to be obedient to God. And to serve others. That's why we gather together in his name. We can go to church looking to encourage someone. Who needs to to hear your testimony. To hear encouraging words from the word of God. Or just a simple hug, a simple handshake, simple smile. I still remember the day. It It still shakes me even today. We were at a church helping them uh, before we came to start this uh, this ministry and and I remember standing there greeting people as they were coming in. And here comes a young man walking in and I've always had a heart for young men because I know where I how lost I was in my twenties. Never never knew anything about God or any no one ever told me about God. I was just it was just I never grew up in a church family. But I remember sitting there and this young man comes in and I could tell by the countenance of his face that he was hurting, something that was just not right, the Spirit was telling me. So I watched him go through and he comes in, and he goes to the far side and he sits on this one side of the church and he's right there and his head's down. I could just tell he's struggling. And the Lord says, you better go talk to him. Ah, the service is about to start, I don't know time. You better go talk to him. So I walked over there and I just knelt beside him I said, hey, my name's Corey. What's your name? He barely got his name out. And I just sat there and I prayed for him. I said, I don't know why you're here, but I know God wants you here because he's going to change your life today. Well, he did give his life to to Christ that day. And then afterwards, we built a great relationship in discipling him up. And then he finally told me one day, he says, Corey, I was going to kill myself right after that service. God said I had to come in here first, but I knew I was going to kill myself. There was no question in my mind. But because you said what you said, I don't even remember what I said. All I did is just start talking to God because I knew something wasn't right. And it changed his life. That's how important it is in the assembly of the people. Because I don't know why God has brought you here, but He He wants to do a fresh work, a new and living work in your life. If you find yourself discouraged today, today is a changing moment for you. Just grab a, as I said, it's a lot of good I was a young man, just come to Christ. All I could picture is jumping on the back of Jesus and holding a bear hug and saying, I'm not going anywhere else but with you. That's all I want. And it was a visual for me to get through some difficult times. And I hope it's encouraging to you today as well.